thank you for joining us for another Kingdom Conversation with Pastor Dominic Butler of Gold Street Garden Church. We are extremely grateful to serve Christ alongside so many wonderful people in this crucial hour. All over the world, God is moving in profound ways through surrendered hearts. We've designed these conversations to illuminate what God is doing and speaking in various regions, because as we gleam and learn from one another, we become more equipped for every good work. The body of Christ is full of precious gifts and callings that manifest in unique and dynamic ways. And because of this, we are so excited for today's conversation as we learn more about the most beautiful one, Jesus. These Kingdom Conversation live streams are a part of Gold Street Garden Church, located in the Palm Harbor, Clearwater, Florida area. For more details, go to goldstreetgarden.com and follow us on social media for all of the freshest content. Enjoy this wonderful time in the presence of God as we talk about the King and His Kingdom. How's it going this evening, everybody? I hope you are doing amazing. We had a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend. This past Saturday when we were hitting the streets, we saw 30 salvations as we were just going door to door in a community that the Lord had placed on our heart that we're going to be doing a, a structured outreach. As we get towards the latter part of this month, we highly encourage you to Seek us out to get more information on that. As we get closer to the date, March 27th, it's a Saturday, we'll be doing a big outreach. But on Monday nights, we've chosen to take the next few weeks and actually do a study, a book study on through the book of Colossians. And we started last week. I highly encourage you to go check that teaching out. We had a great time just breaking down verse upon verse. We got to verse 12 of chapter 1, and we're going to pick right up in 13 today. After we start in prayer, just want to encourage everybody, come see us tomorrow night, 455 Riviera Road, Palm Harbor, as we continue pursuing Jesus together corporately as a body. Coach Street Garden Church services have been sensational, exceptional to the highest degree of the presence of God. We had 12 water baptisms during worship last week. We had salvation and just the outreach that we've been teaming up with Soak. And then on Saturday, doing outreaches in communities, reaching the lost. It is just profound to see Jesus manifesting the way that he is in our lives and as a family together. So we're going to jump right into Colossians this evening. Make sure you're sharing this right now. The more you share this, the more you tag people. And even if you're listening to this at a later time, still share it, love it, comment a lot. When I bring up certain scriptures or certain things that just trigger you, put it in the comments. So that way when other people watch it later, they can be inspired by a thought or a revelation that came to you in the moment. And it just brings more traction, allows more of your family members and co-workers to see and have an opportunity to maybe click on this and hear the gospel, hear just the genuine presentation of who Jesus is. So let's pray and jump right into this teaching tonight. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. We thank you that as we go through the book of Colossians this evening, that the Holy Spirit would guide us through every word 
every thought that was strategically placed by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to Paul's hand as he wrote this letter in prison, that we would be encouraged, challenged, rebuked, reproofed to properly represent your son Jesus to everyone around us. Allow us to get a better look at Jesus tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to first start out by saying that a lot of the things we went over last week were very important to just kind of understand the culture, the author, and just to to re-go over that, the author of the book of Colossians is Paul, and he was writing this at the latter part of his life in prison and house arrest. And as he wrote this, he was writing to a region of called Colossae, which he had never physically visited before. And there was a, a man that encountered Paul's teachings named Epaphras, and he took the gospel and the message he heard from Paul to Colossae. And then the church of Colossians was born, the body of believers of Colossians was born. And it was all because of a man, Epaphras, catching the fire of Paul. And then Paul hears about what's going on in Colossae from Epaphras when Epaphras comes to visit Paul in prison and shares with him all the great testimonies that are happening in Colossae. But then he also shares with Paul that there has been a lot of uh, infiltration from different belief systems, and it's all false. It's all false teachings. You got Gnosticism, um, asceticism. You got all these different things that are are coming up and even just mysticism and exalting angels in the teachings and Christ. And we said it last week, but what false teachers do is they don't deny the importance of Christ. They just <clears throat> they just dethrone his, div his divinity. So uh, there's a lot of people who say, yeah, Jesus is a way or Jesus is, had some good teachings or Jesus was this, but they, they won't simply draw the line in the sand and say, Jesus is the only way. He is the Lord of all. And Paul, once he hears of these false doctrines and false teachings creeping into this, this precious group of believers, Paul writes this letter to them. And another letter that's really important to read, kind of coinciding with this, is uh, Philemon. And Philemon was <clears throat> a a man that also was uh, in Colossae that had a very important role. And then you also have uh, Onesimus, who was a, a prisoner, a slave that actually goes to visit Paul. And then Paul writes the letter to Philemon telling him how there needs to be forgiveness and so forth. It's a very personal letter, but it actually t gives you a little bit more background of Colossae and Colossians, even in it, its short context. So Ephesus was 199 miles away from 
Colossae. Paul never visited there, but this is what I want to say right before we get into um, breaking down a few scriptures from tonight. We'll finish out the first chapter of Colossians. Is that have you ever real? Have you ever been, like say you've been <clears throat> out and about, whether it was uh, the zoo or whether it was out in nature and you wanted somebody to see something that was with you you wanted to point it out sorry about my voice tonight i've been screaming and shouting a lot <laughs> this past week just because all god's doing <clears throat> so have you ever wanted to point something out to somebody say you you saw an animal or you saw a bird flying and the first thing you do you say Look, look, you got to check this out. And you you immediately try to grab their attention, but you're not grabbing their attention to look at you. You're grabbing their attention to look at what you see. And that's what's so powerful about the book of Colossians is that Paul has never physically been to Colossae. And he's speaking to these believers. And if we went over it last week, but he he begins the book of Colossians by quickly introducing himself, and then he immediately goes into talking about the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ, and he emphasizes he's like he what he's doing he's like, look at Jesus, you got to look at Jesus. He's never met these people before, but this is what he feels in his heart to share with them this is what he wants them to know more than anything that it goes to show that paul has experienced something so beautiful in christ that he can't help himself but to emphasize <clears throat> instead of talking about all the false teaching instead of pointing out all the false teaching he just points to the real over and over and over again because he knows if he can get people's eyes on jesus they will see the fake from a mile away from miles away if he can just keep their focus on this majesty keep their eyes on this magnificent savior point their eyes to jesus then great things are going to take place and continue to be sustained and maintained this is a lesson to us all that paul's not call you know calling all these things out right no what he's doing is he's pointing to jesus as his introduction and as the content because he knows that if people will look at jesus their behavior will will line up with looking at jesus that if he points to jesus that their their belief system their thinking their their moral patterns are going to fall in line with looking at Jesus. The gospel in its most simplest form is look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. If if you had to sum the gospel up in a statement, it would be look at Jesus. Because this is what we saw in John chapter 3 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he tells him about the story with Moses, about how he lifted up the bronze serpent and everybody that looked at the bronze serpent was healed. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent, so should the son of man be lifted up, that we would look at him and behold. And John the Baptist even shows us in John chapter three as well, right before Jesus goes into some of that story. And he and then, or John chapter one, I should say, and Jesus talks to us about uh, John the Baptist had disciples 
And when John led his disciples so well that all he did was talk about Jesus and the bridegroom, that when Jesus walked onto the scene that John's disciples, John said, behold the Lamb of God. And John's disciples had heard John talk about Jesus so much that when John said, look, there he is, his disciples left him and followed Jesus and became Jesus's disciples. And that's how you know you're there's a true leader or you're truly discipling people because you don't get them to follow you. You get them to put their eyes on him. Amen. So that's where we're at. And uh, so if you go to verse 13 of Colossians chapter one, we're going to go break some of this down. But Paul's talking about Jesus and the preeminence, the supremacy, the how Christ is the firstborn, the image of the invincible God. We're about to hit on these powerful scriptures, and let's just take a look at them. So verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, these two verses are just power-packed. So let's break them down real quick so we can get some discipleship in here. And you can, and I really hope that this study helps you grow in your 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 study like when you're reading the word you break down words individually you see god's purposeful nature how he's such a uh, archer when he's putting words in these places shooting them right at the right things in your heart and then also you can help other people understand the bible a little bit more with some of the context here so he says he has delivered us so the the word you want to see here and i'm reading out of the new king james it says he delivered us so first thing here is delivered is he's he's taking us out of something so then the next phrase is what did he take us out out of he delivered us from the power of darkness so this goes to show us that darkness that the kingdom of darkness, the enemy, that there's power. And I like this terminology because it reminds me a lot of, you know, Moses, how God used Moses to deliver the Israelites out of bondage, out of Egypt. But you see, God doesn't just deliver you out of something. He delivers you out of something to bring you into something. But just being delivered out of something doesn't mean you have entered into something it, it can mean that you just came out because that's what the wilderness was in the book of Exodus, that even though Israel, the Israelites were taken, they were delivered out of Egypt, then they were in the wilderness, which was kind of like a limbo state, a, a state of idleness where they weren't in the promised land, which that's what God wanted to take them. But they stayed in the wilderness because they never, even though that they were, um, physically delivered from Egypt and bondage, their mindset still lived in bondage. So they never entered into because they they weren't fully delivered in their minds. And this is why renewing your mind is so important because it says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. So the power of darkness is no longer having control over a believer. It can't just pull you <clears throat> without without if you know who you are in Christ and you're in the word, you are going to recognize the power of darkness is trying to um, infiltrate, trying to 
take ground and you are going to retaliate against that by the power that Christ has placed in you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In First John, it tells us. So delivered us out of the power of darkness. So this means we've been delivered. And then it says he conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, conveyed or translated. This is when we were talking about before that God delivered you out of something to bring you into something. So he delivers you out of darkness and then he consequently right after that brings you into the kingdom of the son of his love. I love how Paul addresses this because what do we say before? He's constantly pointing us to Jesus. So he doesn't just deliver us out of bondage to bring us into uh, a new place. No, he delivers us out of darkness to put us into the revelation, the reality of the kingdom of the son of his love. He is depositing us. He is placing us into Jesus, which Jesus is the object of all of God's affection, all of his love. And he's putting us in Jesus, the son of his love, so that we can be the object of eternity's affection, of God's eternal love is now flowing. This is why it says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been poured out, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is constantly pouring the love of God into us because we are now been translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. So I know this is simple, but I'm breaking it down so you see and get the significance. You've been delivered. And when you get delivered, you know, when a child gets born, we call that a a child a delivery, you know, a woman delivering a child. Delivery is very dramatic. It's very it's a it's a iconic moment. It is a momentous moment. And that child went from a dark womb and came into light. It, it was a very big deal. When you become born again, you are taken out of darkness, taken out of the power of darkness by the hands of the Almighty. And you are brought into the kingdom of the son of his love and you're now embraced and isn't it so beautiful when you think about a mother holding her child for the first moment that that child was in a dark womb and it thought it you know it became so um comfortable in that environment but it was dark and then feels the embrace of mother feels for the first time on the x feels that embrace and being translated, being delivered and then brought into. It's so beautiful to see. So the son of his love and then verse 14, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There is one problem that every human faces and that is the sin problem. This is why we need a savior. Everyone, you see, the world tries to label sin with medical condi conditions or tries to label sin with uh, mental 
health, mental issues, or just excuses in general. They try to find as many things as they can to avoid taking ownership of sin or admitting that sin is a problem in their heart. They'll find any way to avoid it. But the truth is, is that every person has a sin problem. There's an undercurrent. There's sin that needs to be dealt with. And when you realize this, that's when you realize you need a savior. You need a savior to remove the guilt the shame, the horrible choices that you don't realize affect your decision making. And I, I could preach on this a lot because you, you, you don't realize that even if you think you're okay or you're, you feel like you're doing a lot better, maybe you started making some better natural choices and decisions, but there are decisions you made in your past that if you don't bring them to the Lord and you don't surrender them, there's actually there's residue of guilt and shame that are actually affecting your everyday decisions. And even born again believers need to realize this, that the, there could be things from your past that you truly, even though you've given your life to the Lord, that there's some guilt and shame that you don't realize actually are um, kind of coercing some of your actions and responses and decisions to things. And this is why we have to see here that it says that we have redemption through his blood. Redemption means to have the payment for being a slave. You are, you've been bought, that you are no longer a slave. You've been bought out of slavery, redemption. So it's a it's a terminology you've been bought, but it says through his blood. So it wasn't just Jesus's blood is the highest currency of heaven that for any person to think they are worthless is the greatest and most tragic lie ever received. It is the most demonic lie to think you are worthless. There's somebody watching right now that just happens to be watching, and maybe they're even taking some notes, but they just really feel like they're worthless. They feel like they've really just tragically messed up, and it's just so hard to pick themselves up motivationally. And I'm here to remind you that there is nothing more convincing of your value than the blood of Jesus. The blood of the devil hates the blood of Jesus so much because soon as you realize how much you're worth, nothing will stop you from fulfilling all that God's called you to do. This is why we need to be so convinced of the death and the resurrection of Christ because it's in his death that your value is revealed. The price of his sacrifice reveals the worth of your life and your calling, which is everything. He paid everything so that you could be his everything. And he's our everything. And we need to live in this reality because it, it, it propels us to live in our high calling in Christ. So it's through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. So it says not only have you been redeemed, which means you've been bought out of slavery, but it being forgiven also reveals that any anything, any accusation that still was hanging over your head, even if you had been redeemed, any type of uh, accusation that could bring you back in before the judge in the courtroom 
has been forgiven. This is the most powerful thing about the gospel. We did a teaching a little while ago. I highly encourage you on the, I think it was our last night of Restore the Roar series, which you can check out on YouTube. And it's available on Facebook and our podcast. But we did Restore the Roar and we did a teaching on forgiveness one night. And we really highlight this. So I'm not going to take a huge amount of time to talk about forgiveness right now other than forgiveness is so essential to your makeup as a believer that forgiveness is not an option with God. Forgiveness is literally the 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 nature, the character of God. It's love fully expressed. Forgiveness is not something you contemplate if somebody's worthy of forgiveness. Forgiveness is literally just the response that God has shown us to to bring to people and ourselves forgiveness of sins. So I know we're hitting on these pretty good. And then verse 15, it says this, he is the image of the invisible God. This is like one of my favorites right here. Jesus is the image of the invincible God. The invisible God. That Jesus came to this earth to literally represent the God Almighty, the great I am. Jesus came and he represented God in flesh, in, in, a, in a human body. In a vessel of a human, he represented the Father's heart. You know what Jesus did when he was on this earth? He healed whole villages, whole cities, whole regions. He raised people from the dead. He raised a widow's son from the dead just because the compassion in his heart couldn't stand to see this widow without her son. This God revealed himself, his character, his nature through Jesus, that a blind man from birth, he wanted him to see. He wanted him to see, so he healed him and gave him sight. When Peter didn't have money for taxes, the father, through Jesus, showed Peter if he went fishing, he could get everything taken care of. This Jesus revealed himself to children by showing them the Father. This is Jesus came to reveal the Father's heart. Jesus loved being around people and revealing the Father's heart for people, that the Father wasn't against people. He was for people. He was trying to show them how valuable they were and how he was willing to leave his throne to show them that they are his own, that they are his. And it's so beautiful to see. And one statement I want to make is that when Jesus came to the earth, that his earthly campaign, his earth, his life on earth was a temporary expression and his death was a temporary expression, but his resurrection is an eternal expression of who he is because he is the resurrected Christ forever. And I think it's so important to see that because when we see he is the image of the invisible God, that 
The resurrected Jesus is the eternal expression of who God is. That Jesus resurrected is showing God is the victor over death forever. That he is the victor over sickness. He is the victor over all these things in life that we can see as huge issues or huge um, roadblocks. That the resurrected Jesus is the eternal expression of of who God is. And it's important that every day we encounter the resurrected Jesus. And the resurrected Jesus doesn't know what a problem is. He only knows how to reveal his father everywhere he goes. And this is, if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we have to have the same mandate that we want to reveal the father's heart. And God revealed the father's heart through his son. And his son showed us the standard of love knows no bounds. So when we live every day, our goal is to represent the invisible God because Jesus was the image of the invisible God. And we saw what Jesus did in this in through matthew mark luke and john we see a glimpse of jesus representing the father and he was the image of the invisible god while he was here upon the earth and now our job is to allow the holy spirit to allow us to express the character of god everywhere we go our father's heart isn't that beautiful so good so and then the latter part of that verse verse 15 the firstborn over all creation now it's very important to understand that jesus is talking that god is talking about rank here that jesus is preeminent he is before all that when god created the world it says in hebrews 11 3 that the worlds that the worlds were framed by the word of god jesus is the word of god made flesh john 1:14 says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the son full of grace and truth john 1:1 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god jesus is the word in revelation it even says and his name sh it shall be the is the word of God. So Jesus is the word. And he's the firstborn over all creation because when God spoke the world, what did he do? He spoke the word, which was Jesus, and things got created. So Paul is once again pointing to the supremacy of Christ because these false teachings have entered and they're trying to make people feel like get they're getting all prideful and and uh high on knowledge thinking they know all these things and there's this elite club of mysteries and knowledge but paul's just saying nope it's all jesus jesus was before all of this this is where we need to look we need to submit that don't think you need jesus plus something no you don't know who jesus is if you are bored or ex if you think you've exhausted jesus you have no clue who he is if you think you've exhausted Jesus, you have no clue who he is because he is inex he's an inexhaustible well of glory and love waiting to be tapped into and discovered daily as you just draw and place your bucket into the well of his eternal love, you will find that it never runs out and you have 
you keep drawing and drawing and drawing and you get more and more filled only to discover you haven't even you haven't even taken anything away from him because he is always all in all that you can never subtract from god because he is eternal he is infinite isn't that amazing it's so and that's why how could anybody get bored with god how could anybody you know um it was so amazing we had a leaders meeting over the weekend uh, for Gold Street, and we actually wanted to get together and kind of have a little bit more of a time of just playing some some game. And there's nothing wrong with playing games, but we started worshiping, and then the next thing we know, that's what the night became about was just words of the Lord and and worship. And we realized that that's more fun than anything this world has to offer. And that's what happens: the more you discover Him, the less you want of anything else. The more you discover him, the less you want of anything else because you just, you realize this limitless, boundless place of his love. I'm just feeling the presence of the, the Lord right now and the Holy Spirit as we just dive into this word because, you know, this word is full of his presence when you allow the Holy Spirit to decode it to you. And as you keep reading, verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So this can get controversial because you see the enemy is real and the enemy attacks and the enemy and one of the things i think i said over the weekend is one thing about the enemy that you have to realize is that uh, something that was illuminated to me recently let me say this that when jesus went to the cross did you know that the enemy wanted to put jesus on the cross and god needed jesus to go to the cross so did you realize both of their both of their natural objectives were the same, but they had two completely different spiritual motives and outcomes. That sometimes what the enemy is really working at and trying to get done, uh, I like to put it this way, that the enemy always overplays his hand into God's perfect plan. The enemy, over, the enemy always overplays his hand into God's perfect plan. And because of that, this is why you have to be watchful that you don't focus on the enemy because the enemy, he, he, he's, he is light year steps behind God when it comes to knowing the motives, knowing what is going on. And if you just stay fixated on God and you represent the father and you just hear from heaven what you need to do and you don't just react based off, um, I even, uh, Christology is the study of who Christ is, his nature and all. And that's what Colossians is. It's Christology. It's literally studying Christ, the person of Christ. When you study who Jesus is and you just get that in your heart and you flow with that, your life is drastically changed for the better. So as we continue reading, all things were created for God 
to get you to your destiny. And then we see in verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, then in all things he may have preeminence. Now this would be what some theologians would call one of the main key verses of Colossians. And a key verse is a verse that just really um, contracts and encompasses the entire message of Colossians. I'm going to read verse 18 again. And he is the head of the body. So Jesus is the, the head of the church, as you read, because it says the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, then in all things he may have preeminence. So he's before all. He's And you see, Paul's really emphasizing Christ because he even, I love how in verse 17 he says he is before all things and in him all things consist. Because one of the false teachings that were going on at that time is they were saying that Jesus couldn't have come or his deity couldn't have lived in a human body because a human body is um, matter, like science, like uh, biology matter that is just, it's attached and touches evil. So Jesus couldn't have come in flesh. So there's this false teaching trying to say matter and everything is evil. And then he's saying, no, all things consist through him. So he's saying that matter and what's happened in the world was all constructed by divinity it wasn't just some it wasn't just some science mistake or evil going on it's trying paul's trying to make the case that you give the enemy way too much credit with your false teachings you try to say the enemy's got all this power but i'm here to tell you that christ formed all of this and when you fix your eyes on him you begin to see the master and his plan but so many people are, are focused on the the lesser hand. They they rather talk about all the that the enemy's doing. They rather focus on evil spirits, or they rather talk about these things that they think are such high, lofty teachings and all this. And Paul's saying, No, look at Christ. He knows it all. He is everything. He is before all of this. You think you know something? You think you have some uh just um, elaborate, elegant teaching? Are you kidding me? Have you seen Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? This is what Paul's saying here. And then let's keep reading. Verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Now, I love this verse so much. I think I'm going to keep saying this. because <laughs> For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell. So we're talking about the fullness of God dwells in Christ, that it pleases God to put the totality, the fullness, the kit ain't the whole kit and caboodle of God in Jesus. That an encounter with Jesus is an encounter with the fullness of God. It's just a mic drop. A mic drop that Jesus is the encompassment, the fullness of God. That the fullness of all eternity, all of God's concepts, 
putting the stars in the sky, creating the planets, coming up with the plan of the crucifixion to show mankind his love. All this majestic knowledge, majestic, superior knowledge and wisdom, all placed in Christ. And that when we receive Christ as Lord, we're receiving the fullness of God because he didn't withhold anything from Christ. And He, Christ gave himself for us. So the gift of Christ is the gift of the fullness of God. And this is why we got to be so watchful that we, we don't elevate topics in the Bible. Because Jesus is everything. Jesus is the, 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 like I said before, if you can exhaust Jesus, you have no clue who he is. Some people are like, yeah, I've heard about, I've heard about that, but I need to hear more about the prophetic or I need to, you know, there's no, there's nothing more prophetic than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fullness of prophecy. He is, he is the prophecy fulfilled he's the prophecy to come we need to be watchful with what we exalt it must be jesus because when we look at him our hearts are restored the way we respond to things is more sharpened we just got a real i i know this is so simple but this is the bible this is paul telling a group of people he's never met but he's excited for them but he sees the false teachings creeping in and all he's doing is sharing about who christ is because he knows if he can exalt christ that they will all follow suit so verse 20 and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross so jesus once again the fullness of him should dwell and that by Jesus is going to reconcile all things to himself. So God is using Jesus as the mediator before God because God can't have sin before him. So Jesus came as the one that could come as a man to take the punishment of sin, to, to take sin and eradicate it and move it out of the way so that way that's why we were talking about earlier with forgiveness of sins the reason why god forgives is so that way when you talk to him you're not talking to him through the filter of the past and the filter of what you have screwed up in and what you're not good enough at or where that but you talk to him through the revelation that you are worth the blood of his son now talk to him like you are bold and valuable to him. This is so important, the reconciliation with this. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, so you see the blood comes up again because he's constantly trying to point us to our value and worth and how prayer needs to go to another level when we understand our identity in him. And the price that it takes, I like to say a lot of times that when you pray to God, you need to realize that every word you pray is blood-bought. That the fact that you can talk to God, every word you say drips with the price tag of Jesus' blood. 
the fact that you can communicate to God from your mouth, from your lips to heaven's ears is all because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what pays for that phone line, that communication, that open communication is all on a full payment plan, paid in full phone payment of the blood of Jesus. And it's so beautiful. It make it changes your prayer life. You you value the words you say so much more. It's not whimsical anymore. You have to view it as this prayer, this conversation with God was purchased via the blood of Jesus. That's how much God wants me to be able to talk to him is he paid with the blood of his son so that I could communicate to him and share my heart and that he could share his heart with me with not me having the filter of my guilt and shame being the way I hear him or communicate to him, but that I'm forgiven to have that. So I hope this is blessing somebody and helping them. So could you let me know what's helping you in the comments? Just put an emoji with a, exalting him get the hand raise the raise the roof raise the roof of heaven in the comment section right now so good having you all with us by the way we're so thankful you please continue to share like comment then it says and you in verse 21 who once were alienated and enemies in your mind so this means that you are hostile in your mind and says by wicked works yet now have been reconciled so <clears throat> before you knew christ your mind was hostile to the things of god it was in complete rebellion to the things of god but it says yet now he reconciled that he reconciled the the your perception was hostile towards god but now it's revelation to the love of god and it softens your heart 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Isn't it amazing how the Bible says that the veil was torn so that we could see and have fellowship? Well, did you know that Jesus's flesh was a veil too? And that's why when they, they lashed his flesh open, that inside you saw, the, that's where the blood was was poured out was when the the veil of his flesh was lashed because his blood is what reveals and reconciles and shows us our value and it his blood is what presents us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight it's only by his blood verse 23 if indeed you continue in faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven which i paul became a minister so you see paul is giving a sobering warning here he's saying that you will be brought blameless and you know if you indeed continue in the faith and he's saying this because he knows false teachings are entering Colossae. And he is, he's been talking about Christ for all these verses and exalting Christ. And now he gets sobering here. And he says, you need to stay in faith. You need to continue in faith with what you've been taught, what you've heard. 
And then as we uh, wrap up here in these final verses of chapter 1, 24, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. This is a very, this is a very interesting verse because I want to read again. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. So what is Paul suffering? Well, he's in prison. So he's definitely in a place of suffering. He says, I'm suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So he's comparing that as Christ, his body was bruised and beaten on the cross. He is now saying that as I'm in prison, that uh, my sufferings, are actually for the sake of the body. Now, why could he say that? Well, let's just think about this. Even when you read Philippians and stuff, Paul being in prison is writing these these glorious letters that we're reading today. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful Paul went to prison. Isn't that horrible to say out loud? Like, but Paul being in prison is what allowed there to be the moment for the Holy Spirit to get him to write to these different regions that now completely apply to our lives. And sometimes we have to realize that some, I've been saying this a lot, but sometimes I think we spend more time rebuking the devil than working on the response to our heart. What if Paul would have just tried to rebuke the devil the whole time he was in prison and just said, I rebuke you devil for putting me in this prison and for me being here. But instead, Paul grew so close to the Lord in confinement and wrote glorious letters that we're still reading today that Paul's impact became, I mean, so multi-generational to the, it's a it's amazing it's eternal paul's impact in in his suffering and then verse 25 of which i became a minister according to the stewardship from god which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of god mm. the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Now there's so much good stuff here. What I'll share quickly, and then we'll hit chapter, start chapter two next week. It says, just to break these all down again, 26, when he says the mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, one of the false teachings that we're also going forth is they were talking about that if you listen, listen to our teachings, we'll, we'll share with you these mysteries, we'll share with you these very exotic mysteries that you haven't heard of that are so valuable and paul is saying the mystery he was saying that they're talking about all these mysteries but he's saying there's only one mystery that's been revealed and it's the greatest mystery of all and he says this the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints which is you and me 
To them, God will to make known what are the riches of his glory. We're talking about God's glory, the riches of his glory. This mystery among the Gentiles and the Gentiles, the Jews couldn't stand the fact that the Gentiles were actually being invited into this. And this is why Paul even ends up being executed and was majorly persecuted is because Paul was a Jew ministering to the Gentiles, inviting them into a, a Jewish covenant, but God instructed him to do so. And this is why we got to watch out for race barriers and all these different things because God's invitation is to all mankind. It's to all men, and God breaks that those uh, demonic barriers down extremely but he says that this is the mystery the mystery the glory the riches of god's glory the mystery revealed that's been hidden from the ages is christ in you the hope of glory now what is glory it's the manifest presence of god and the hope is the confidence that it will take place so christ in you is the confident expectation that God's glory will manifest. Come on. Being a born-again believer, Christ in you is the confident expectation that God's presence is going to manifest through your life, in your life, in everything you do. And he says that this is how we get this to happen. The way that this happens is him we preach. If you have your Bible, make sure you underline verse 28. That part, it says him we preach. We don't preach a, just a specific topic, a specific doctrine or certain theology. It says Jesus we preach. We preach Jesus. And this is what Paul's doing in Colossians chapter 1. He is just painting this beautiful, this simply stunning picture, portrait of Christ. Warning every man. So preaching Jesus is warning people and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 29, this is why I labor striving according to his working, which works mightily in me. So Paul is saying the reason I work so diligently, the reason I go after this so hard is because it's him working in me. That the work of the kingdom is just the manifestation of his work being done in your heart. The more fruitful you are in this life is the result of allowing him to prune the branches on the inside of your heart, producing the fruit. And I wanted to share, as Paul was saying, as we're presenting people going forward, I want to say that I shared this with uh, the leadership or the week, that you only prepare for what you are persuaded will happen. You will only prepare for what you are persuaded will happen. Persuasion is the pulse of preparation. When you read the book of Colossians, we got through this chapter today, it's important that you see that we, the way that we prepare to live this 
Christian life, this born-again experience life with everything is the way we prepare to that for that day of standing before God and live prepared every day to represent him is by staying fixated upon Jesus that Jesus has to be everything in our hearts and I know that sometimes I can seem hallmarkish it can seem but I hope you sense my heart every time I say that that there's so many thieves to joy to peace and all those thieves are accepting exalting anything other than christ is permitting anything to be exalted but christ in your life and that statement i said earlier i believe is the statement of the night that if you can exhaust christ you have no clue who he is He's in a, he's an inexhaustible well of glory, of satisfaction. You can't subtract from infinite, eternal. You can't subtract from the eternal one. No matter what you think you take from him in a moment, it wasn't taken. It was given and he still has so much because he is infinite and eternal. So... I hope this blessed you all tonight. It's amazing to just go verse upon verse and let the Holy Spirit minister and get more idea of the context. So please join us for the rest of this journey. Share this, comment, love on it, and uh, let's uh, continue to fall in love with the Word of God like never before. Join us tomorrow, 455 Riviera Road, Palm Harbor. For at seven o'clock for Gold Street Garden service. Uh, I have a powerful word on my heart that's going to be extremely challenging, but so empowering. And I'm excited to see how God manifests at the altar during worship. Please come invite a friend. If you're not with us in town, tune in, watch. Make sure you, you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, we're almost at 300. Please help us get over that. Invite people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram. We're on all the podcasts. You follow us on Facebook. We love you so much. We love you. I bless all of you that are watching. Have sweet night's sleep. I thank you, Holy Spirit, to give them visions and dreams to know you more. Allow us to cherish your words more so than ever in this hour and properly represent you. Thank you for the book of Colossians and how you're ministering to us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you tomorrow.